Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Will Ford, the president and co-founder of LaunchBoom, an online platform that empowers creators, founders, and entrepreneurs to launch successful Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns without all the headaches. On this episode, Will and I discuss how to prepare products for launch, what makes a worthwhile product launch, the importance of setting realistic goals, and much more. Here's our interview now. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me on today. I'm pumped to be here. Me too, man. Very happy to have you. So first off, why don't you give me just a little bit of information about your company, LaunchBoom? Yeah. So I am the president and co-founder here at LaunchBoom. Uh, LaunchBoom was the world's largest crowdfunding agency. I spent 10 years building it with a team of world-class crowdfunding experts. And then a A little more than a year ago, we intentionally blew up our own agency to turn it into something way better than it ever could have been as an agency. So I'm excited to kind of share that story with you today. It should be fun. Yeah, please do. I mean, that is not something you hear every day. I think intentionally blowing up launch boom also sounds humorous. So what was your goal? Did you wake up in a cold sweat one night and realize this is this is all wrong? How did how did that kind of shake out, Will? Yeah, so it it might be easier for me to explain that by kind of taking a step back and letting everyone know why I started LaunchBoom in the first place. Yeah, please. Basically, I started LaunchBoom because I had been launching my own consumer products using the traditional model, you know, in my early years of entrepreneurship. You know, it was expensive. It was really scary. And if I didn't nail my marketing strategy, I was usually stuck with a bunch of product I couldn't move. And I've been there before, and that was no fun. So when I learned about Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and I realized that I could take a prototype and pre-sell it on their platforms to people all over the world, get their money up front before I had to manufacture and deliver, it just took so much pressure off. It made it way less risky. And I couldn't believe it worked in the early years. Early on, when I was working on product launches on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, I was actually searching for an agency like LaunchBoom, but they didn't exist. There was no one out there actually supporting the entrepreneur and helping them prepare their products for Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and then be able to control the outcome. So you can actually raise the money you need so you can afford manufacturing and delivery. So that was like when the light first light bulb went off and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a bigger opportunity here to own that niche. And I made a bet that Kickstarter and Indiegogo back in the early years weren't just a fad. I I made a bet that they were going to be here 10 years later, which they are, and they're bigger and better than they were 10 years ago when I started my company. Just so everyone knows, uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, they're the two largest reward-based crowdfunding platforms. So that means that you can literally take any type of prototype, or today you can even use just CAD images, photorealistic images. And you can literally pre-sell product. And then you can tap into a massive audience of tens of millions of unique visitors every month. You can pre-sell that product. You then get the money off the platform once you get your campaign successfully funded. And then you literally have all the time in the world to work through tooling and manufacturing and eventually delivery to those backers. I love the model. I loved seeing the growth in the early years. Indiegogo opened their doors in 2008. Kickstarter opened their doors in 2009. And by the time I stepped into the space, it was 2014. So they'd been around for a few years. I was able to do some research and see like their phenomenal growth year in, year out, just with their backer community growing. 
And that's why I decided to start Launchboom. I decided to build a marketing agency that fully supported every consumer product creator out there that wanted to go and raise hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to actually manufacture and deliver those end products to those early backers and supporters. I did that. So, you know, I actually officially launched Launchboom uh, in 2015. And that first year, like every startup, was huge learning. You know, we worked on dozens of product launches. Uh, we figured out what didn't work, what did work, and how to better prepare these deals. So when we turned them on, we would have these massive campaign outcomes. And then by the time we got to 2016, I actually flew out to Brooklyn, New York, and met with the Kickstarter executive team. And I still don't know how I got that meeting, but I did. I made the riskiest decision, which was sharing with them how we do the pre-launch how we build these customized communities that want to buy the products before we launch on their platforms. And I say it was risky because they have way deeper pockets than I had early on, and they still do. And um, they could have easily ripped off my model back then, but they weren't interested as much in supporting the entrepreneur as they were growing their backer communities. So they loved what I was doing. They said, Will, we're going to make you a preferred partner. And they started sending me huge amounts of deal flow of campaigners that weren't quite ready to launch on their platform. So that really helped me bring in way more business in 2016 versus that first year in business in 2015. So then I, I took the same story out to Indiegogo and I met with their executive team in their offices in San Francisco and uh, they did the same thing. They were focused on building their backer community, not as focused as supporting the entrepreneur at that time. So they made us a preferred partner. And again, just more deal flow opened up. So when you look at like the first year of business, 2015, we learned a lot. 2016, we learned even more because we launched almost 100 products in 2016. And then by 2017, 2018, I would say that's when we were unquestionably the leader in the crowdfunding space when it comes to reward-based. I'm not talking about equity crowdfunding, just these pre-selling platforms. And so at that point, you know, we we had a lot of success under our belt. We were able to kind of refine, improve our agency model so we could reduce that risk for the entrepreneur. But at the end of the day, it was still a pricier type model. So to be brutally honest, like our model really only catered to the funded startups that had some kind of budget that they could spend on marketing and advertising to maximize those campaign outcomes. We really weren't able to support that earlier stage entrepreneur that was going to Kickstarter and Indiegogo because they weren't funded yet. They were still underfunded, trying to get their products off the ground. So around 2020, when the pandemic hit, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen to the crowdfunding space, kind of like everyone else. Everyone was like, is my business going to be okay? Am I going to be looking for a new profession? Like a lot of uncertainty happened in 2020. And uh, fortunately for us at LaunchBoom, crowdfunding exploded in a good way. So we went through like hyper growth in 2020. You know, we started 2020 with 30 employees. Uh, we ended with close to 100 employees by the end of that pandemic period. And uh, we were onboarding like hundreds of clients a year. It was Super exciting. It was a lot of fun. But fortunately for us, we had created like this do-it-yourself model that we called Launch Boom Academy. And the idea was like, hey, if you're not qualified for agency, if you're not funded, we can still support you with this do-it-yourself model, which was like a video step-by-step -step of our agency process to make it easier for people to do more on their own for a fraction of the cost. And then what was really interesting was what happened last year. So we got this big team built out for LaunchBoom. We're trying to control everything ourselves. We have our production studio. We have our own advertisers, our own web developers, graphic designers. It goes on and on. 
And um, in 2022, I had staffed up to a point where we were getting ready to continue scaling. And then the market shifted on us. And what I mean by that is first quarter last year, 2022, in January, we were used to onboarding about 30 plus new clients a month. And in January, 2022, we only onboarded 20. And then by February, we were down to 15. By March, we only signed nine. And meanwhile, while our agency's taking a nosedive, our do-it-yourself program, Mosh Boom Academy, is surging. We're onboarding more people than we ever anticipated. And that's when we had the next big idea. We're like, wow, there's something going on here with the data. What if we took that Launch Boom Academy and what if we elevated it and turned it into what we call a do-it-with-you model or a coaching and consulting business? Where now what we do is we provide coaching, consulting calls every day with our clients. We build our own community of entrepreneurs that can help and support each other, along with have access to everyone on my team, and then upgrade the technology and software so our clients can do more on their own for a fraction of the agency costs. And then we figured out a way to open up our backer database. So up until last year, we had launched over a thousand successful crowdfunding campaigns on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, and we had retained every backer email that supported every one of our campaigns from that first campaign we ever managed. So, you know, today we have close to 10 million backers in our database. And so now we figured out a way where our clients, we can share, yeah, so we can share those audiences with our clients and they can, for example, like Alex, if you're launching an e-bike, you can literally like pull all the e-bike backers from our database. And you can now use that for targeting to further reduce your ad cost on, you know, doing split testing. We've also incorporated AI into our platform. So what that does is like as soon as new clients come into our coaching consulting program, we can basically um, help them do their messaging, positioning, market research, price analysis, because most of our clients don't know what to price their products at. They're like, well, we think we want to sell for $100, but can we? So we actually created this software platform that allows them to create their own reservation funnels. They can do split A-B testing. They can figure out very quickly, very efficiently and affordably uh, how to maximize their average order value and how to set that price. That's going to convert really, really well before we even start scaling and building their pre-launch community. So what's really cool about what we do here at LaunchBoom is we have this massive community. So to give you an idea of how fast we've grown, from 2015 to the end of 2021, we had launched over a thousand successful product launches on Kickstarter Indiegogo. From 2022 to today, a little bit more than a year, we've already onboarded another 1,200 new customers. Think about that. Within a year, like we have 1,200 new customers. When you look at like seven, eight years of 2015 to 2022, we only onboarded just over a thousand. Right. So our new model, it's definitely catering to like the mass demand. We can now support everyone, not just the funded startups, but also the underfunded startups. Those people out there bootstrapping that are even using credit cards to support these early validation launches on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And then our software allows them to build and customize a huge audience of the most qualified potential customers to support these massive Kickstarter and Indiegogo launches. So the way we do that is we pioneered something called the reservation funnel. And what that means is once we run the Facebook or Instagram ad and you click on it, we then present a lead offer. We'll say, hey, give us a dollar reservation 
and we're going to guarantee you the best deal before we go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. That dollar transaction is the most qualified funnel you can build because people don't transact even for a dollar unless they're serious about committing to a deal. So that funnel will convert at 30% or higher. So the idea is like, okay, let's just say we collected $1,000 reservations before Kickstarter. We know that a minimum of 300 or more of those dollar reservations are going to convert and become a backer. So if we know that 300 of the $1,000 reservations are going to convert when we launch and the average order of value is $100, we're going to set that Kickstarter or Indiegogo goal to 30 grand, right? Because we know that with that first email that goes out the first day we launch, we're going to get at least 300 or more sales. And so this is how we control the outcome for every one of our clients. And this is also how we raise enough money to allow them to actually manufacture and deliver a great experience. So when we turn on the Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign, we have what I call as a launch boom effect. We get the entire campaign funded today on average within 15 minutes. And then when that happens, the platforms start to push and promote the sale on their platform. So the projects will get better placement. The, the platforms will start to promote them in their newsletters. And now we tap into that massive organic audience of tens of millions of unique visitors worldwide. So that's when that $30,000 sale very quickly becomes hundreds and sometimes millions of dollars. Because you don't need to just put the campaign on Indiegogo, Indiegogo, cross your fingers and hope it's successful. You already know it's going to be because of these reservations and, and this kind of funnel system. Exactly, Alex. I, I'd say the reason we were able to A, pull off the pivot and kill our agency and pivot to this much better coaching consulting model that allows us to reduce the price to a fraction of the original cost as an agency is because we had super strong brand equity. So when we made the pivot last year, 2022, we had already had the brand credibility. We already had tons of content out there that we provided for free. We had already the established credibility that we were the leading crowdfunding agency that supports the entrepreneur. So that's why we were able to, in my opinion, to pull off that pivot. But Ever since we've pivoted away from the agency model and over towards this coaching consulting model, what's super interesting is we're not only onboarding more clients, we're doing, you know, we're onboarding 100 plus new clients per month, which is huge. But what is even more interesting is that all, all of those campaigns, we're launching more campaigns per week and we're having bigger campaign outcomes. We're having bigger raises than ever before as an agency, which is awesome because now our clients have more profit margin left in that campaign to then reinvest back into the continued growth and scale of their business, whether it's e-commerce or retail or Amazon or whichever direction they head in after. No, that's extremely impressive. And part of what I hear, Will, is that there's less of that barrier for entry. You mentioned earlier that you, when working as an agency, were kind of helping probably get additional funding instead of initial funding, which it, it sounds like you're helping a lot more agency or companies now do a little bit of both. Someone can come to you and say, we need we need a little bit of help or your resources to get initial funding or additional funding. And I think it's just kind of a bit a bigger pool of entrepreneurs since there isn't that barrier for entry. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So to simplify it, I tell entrepreneurs every day the same thing. I want you to bootstrap as long as possible, at least until you get through your Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign. Because if you can afford to just validate that there's demand and that people will actually buy your product at the price you want them to buy it for, 
you're already light years ahead of any you know pre-market business trying to raise money because you've done the hardest part. You've validated demand. So to be able to take that story and then go out there and say, hey, I want some more capital to accelerate my growth. I always tell entrepreneurs, if you're going to value your company early, do it after the Kickstarter, do it after the Indiegogo campaign, because now you've got thousands of uh, customers, you've got real revenue, and now you can position your company at a higher valuation. So if you do want to raise investor capital and sell equity, do it after the product launch, do it after the validation piece. And so really what our goal here has been at LaunchBoom is to provide the lowest, the lowest cost solution, the best cost solution to help these entrepreneurs, even people bootstrapping that are using credit cards, to do it affordably, to do it with the lowest risk possible, but also to help them maximize their outcome. So that's what we're doing. No, that's amazing. And I want to kind of fire through some of the things that you've learned and, and what does work and what doesn't work so that entrepreneurs who are listening can already be looking at their to-do list of like, all right, maybe I need to pivot here or fix this or that. So for example, Will, do you see specific products work better or worse on Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaigns? Yeah, that's a great question. So Kickstarter and Indiegogo are the leading platforms in the reward-based crowdfunding landscape. Now, there are certain categories that we will recommend going to Kickstarter first versus other categories that make better sense for the community on Indiegogo. So in general, just to kind of keep it simple. Yeah, sure. We can have a whole nother conversation just about that. Normally, like if we see like really cool tech hardware come in, We'll usually direct that to Indiegogo because they've got a massive community that love consumer tech hardware type products. And there are other categories on Kickstarter that that we always direct there first. For example, like believe it or not, but tabletop gaming, that is like one of their top categories. And I know tabletop games have been around forever, but they perform extremely well on Kickstarter. They have a massive gaming community there. So we, we definitely see some of our bigger campaigns every year in that gaming category on Kickstarter. Kickstarter also um, has brought in a relatively newer CEO uh, that's been there for about a year now. Uh, his name's Everett Taylor, and uh, he definitely is supporting like artists and creative type products. So any type of like artistic or creative type project, uh, whether it's a comic book or um, anything kind of like that, we'll also direct over to Kickstarter because they love those projects and they're building their community around those types of create more creative type projects. Again, there are dozens and dozens of categories that we've had success in over the years on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo. And then there are some categories that aren't, that don't do as well. I, I would say for the most part, the majority of the audiences on both Kickstarter and Indiegogo are male dominated, usually like ages 25 to 50 years of age. So any type of product that would appeal to that type of demographic generally is worth looking at Kickstarter or Indiegogo, in my opinion. That's where we have the most success. But yeah, I mean, tons of learning. So for example, like if you're listening to this, if you've got a consumer product, you've never launched a product before, what I hate seeing, Alex, are when people come into LaunchBoom and they're like, we just spent 50 grand making the best crowdfunding video ever. And I'm like, but you haven't done any testing. You don't know if you have the right messaging, the right positioning, or if you're even targeting the right demographic. So the reason I say that is because we can create, like we have resources that can create beautiful crowdfunding videos for a fraction of that cost. You don't need to spend 50 grand to have a nice crowdfunding video. In fact, you can probably do it for five grand. So, so there's things like that. So for me, I always tell everyone, like if you're new to crowdfunding or if you're new to launching products, the best thing you can do is honestly talk to someone on my team as early as possible 
because we can help you avoid a lot of common pitfalls and mistakes that we made as we learned a tremendous amount over the last 10 years. And we can help you maximize those dollars because what's really interesting is today we're having success launching these crowdfunding campaigns with high quality photorealistic renders. Sometimes we don't even have the prototype and that right there can save the entrepreneur so much time and money just using that to validate demand. At the end of the day, Alex, like what we really do here at LaunchBoom and people don't receive this well when I say it, but we help entrepreneurs fail fast and fail cheap. So anyone out there with an idea, trust me, everyone who calls me every day, they have the most beautiful baby in the world. Everyone's product is the best product ever, right? And at the end of the day, we don't know if there's demand there until we pull it through our testing and our reservation funnel process. So what we pioneered in the crowdfunding industry is what's called the pre-launch. We, we basically created this pre-launch system that allows anyone out there with a consumer product to validate and test it before they even go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And then depending upon the data and metrics of those tests, we can now set their expectation before they launch. We can tell them, hey, we can actually probably raise 200 grand in pre-sales. And now we can tell them whether or not that's enough for them to place that manufacturing order. Or maybe the metrics are incredible. We're like, hey, we can probably pre-sell a million dollars or more. Well, they're pumped because now they can place a larger volume order with their manufacturer and with economies of scale, get a lower price break per unit. Now they're actually beefing up their profit margins on, on the crowdfunding opportunity. So what's really cool about what we've built and created here over the last 10 years is we've basically been able to significantly reduce the risk and exposure for any entrepreneur to validate demand earlier. And that's, I'd say, probably one of the most powerful things that we provide here at LaunchBoom. And, and, and what's really interesting too, Alex, is I've got Fortune 500 clients and they use my system specifically for that reason. They just want to pump all their new consumer products into my validation piece. And if the metrics are good, great, they crowdfund. If they're not, they put those projects on the back burner. They focus on other products. Or maybe they get some feedback from our system from you know people who are interested and they figure out better ways to innovate and iterate and make those products actually better than what they originally were. So there's a lot of advantages to like focusing on pre-launch, focus on validation. And that's why when we get to Kickstarter and Indiegogo, that's the easy part because we only turn them on when we know truly how to control the outcome for the client. Or the general projection that it should be. I mean, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is two things. One, that's not properly preparing. And that's kind of like expecting to get the money from a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo to prepare the product instead of the other way around a little bit. But what I really want to talk about is the ability to set realistic goals, right? So I think a lot of people will put a product or, or a service. You know, there are plenty of times where myself or some colleagues put up a short film or some way to generate income to create a pilot for a TV show or something like that. And oftentimes that stuff isn't developed or it's like one person is going to buy that thing at the end of the day. Or the number is so exorbitantly high that they're expecting to get half a million dollars on Indiegogo for a thing that they probably didn't. That's a daunting number to look at. And I feel like I'm doing less work if I 
am donating $20 to a campaign that needs 500,000 than $20 to a campaign that needs only a thousand. I feel like I am a high roller whale when I'm giving money to a campaign that is a larger percentage. And I don't think that that's like, I don't know, maybe that's just how I feel, but that seems logical to me. Can you kind of talk about setting realistic goals, maybe financially actually in creating that demand too? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So every day, as you can imagine, everyone I talk to is like, Will, I want a million dollar pre-sale on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Me too, and I man. tell everyone the same thing, <laughs> right? I, I'm like, so do I, guys. But realistically, less than 1% of all the campaigns on Kickstarter or Indiegogo actually breached the million dollar marker. Um, you've got a higher probability, much higher probability of achieving you know, a six-figure campaign versus a seven-figure campaign. And I don't care how cool the product is. That's just like what those communities will support. So really the question I always kind of counter is I come back and I'm just like, well, how much do we need to actually produce that first minimum order with your manufacturer so we can actually produce and deliver to backers, right? Because once I understand what that number is, now it's easier for me to better set expectations. So again, to answer your question directly, I always tell people that, Instead of setting your campaign goal at a million dollars, the reason you don't want to set your campaign goal at a million dollars on Kickstarter or Indiegogo is because if you pre-sell $900,000, you will not get a dollar of those funds off the platform. You actually have to hit your goal in order for it to be successfully funded and they release the funds. So what we do is we do the polar opposite. Most of our campaign goals are usually placed between 10 and 50 grand. And that's predicated on the pre-launch audiences and communities that we built. So we now have this down to a science where we know that based on a certain size audience, we can set your goal at 10 grand up to 50 grand. We normally don't go higher than 50 grand. And then the idea is once we have an audience that supports that goal, that's when we turn on the campaign, whether it's live on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Then what we do is we email that pre-launch community we built. And within the first 15 minutes on average, we always get the entire project funded. And that's the most important part. That's how we drive that launch boom effect. Because once we get that campaign funded, now the platforms are like, wow, they just turned this thing on. It's already hit its funding goal. Let's put it in top placement on our platform to get it more exposure. That's when they start to push it to their audiences. That's when you see that organic lift. And if you do this the way we suggest doing it here at Launch Boom, you can on average get about 30% of your gross crowdfunding pre-sales just from that organic community. And that's why we still do these launches on Kickstarter and Indiegogo because of that organic lift you get from their audiences that are already there looking for really cool deals. So the second part of the question is as an entrepreneur, you got to think about what's going to get the backers excited to want to throw money at you. And so that's why we focus primarily with like consumer hardware, physical, tangible products, Uh, There are some outliers like with indie films and glamping projects, and that's another conversation. But primarily, we look at like physical consumer products and we look at how can we create a value proposition? So as a backer, you're like, that's a super cool product. They look look at being like, wow, I'm going to get a better deal on Kickstarter versus when it gets to retail. And I also want to be the first one to get that products in my hands once it's produced and manufactured. So as long as you can check those three boxes as a product launcher and make the backers feel like they're going to get access to an innovative product for a discount before anyone else, 
you're generally going to see a much, much better conversion and you're going to be able to raise a lot more money on these platforms. So again, there's a lot more that kind of goes into the preparation piece, but, but I'd say, you know, just to take a step back further, I'd say like probably one of the most valuable things we do at LaunchBoom is help our clients really nail down their messaging positioning so that they're targeting the right audiences. And then we take it a step further and we help them figure out how to set the price. Because a lot of people, they come to us and they have no idea how to price their product. So what we'll do is we'll look at all the uh, all the market research and we leverage AI to do a lot of that. And we do that much faster now, which is great. But then what we're able to do is we're able to do what's called split A-B testing. So once our clients build out their reservation funnels, they can test price A versus price B. And then we look at the data and we look at, okay, what's converting? Maybe price B is outperforming price A. So now that will become the lead offer that we use to continue building that larger reservation funnel and eventual, eventually will become the price when we get to Kickstarter and Indiegogo. No, that's wonderful. I, I really appreciate that. And I'm also curious if the perks are a factor or if that's just kind of like a bonus to people. I know some people who hop on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and just search because they like the idea of being an associate producer on something or they like getting the first, you know, getting their name on the back of a comic book or something like that. So Alex, like that right there, like, let's just talk about it because I know that's what you care about. You care about indie films. You care about TV pilot shows. Those have done really, really well, too, on on these platforms over the years. In fact, that's how Indiegogo started. That's why it's called Indiegogo. They were supporting Indiegogo films. And so I I tell you that because it's really important how you set those reward, those perks to be able to draw in those dollars, right? So you want to make these backers feel special, just like everyone wants to feel special, right? So you want to create a a perk that's going to make them feel special. So, you know, you already listed a couple of them, but like, yeah, you you can create different tiered, you know, for bigger dollar amounts. Maybe people get, you know, more exposure, more visibility within that, that TV show or that indie film. You can do that by, you know, giving, putting their name in the credits. You can write as a supporter, like people love that. If they, you know, put enough money in, if they put a large sum in, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you invite them out. To be on on cat you know on site with the cast and and participate in that shoot and let them experience that if they're passionate about it. But there's a lot of clever ways to kind of set reward perks so that you can get you know a hundred dollars from one person and potentially up to a thousand dollars from another person. No, and that's great. Are there certain perks for like products in the entrepreneur space that succeed better than others? I mean, I know you and your team aggregates that demand ahead of time, but when it comes to getting that organic, those organic backers, are there certain perks or products that they gravitate toward more? Yeah. So I'd say in, in general, I'd say most of our clients have consumer tangible products. So for us, it's really easy to be honest, because once we take them through pre-launch and we have the data we need, well, all we're really doing is we're just pre-selling the product or we might pre-sell a bundle pack of the of product right? So we can kind of increase that AOV for people who want to put more money in or get more product. So for us, as long as we make them feel like they're going to get that product first and that they're going to get a special lower price off of what the eventual retail price will be, uh, we generally get a really good, strong conversion there, right? But when it comes to your world with like the, the indie films and TV pilots and that sort of thing, you're not necessarily selling a physical, tangible product. That's where you've got to be a little bit more creative as to, okay, 
what, why would people give us a hundred bucks? Maybe, maybe just getting that, that, that credit and, and being on screen and having their name there, maybe that is enough for them to put a hundred bucks in. And we can test that through our reservation pre-launch funnel system. Maybe we want to test a, a higher price point. Maybe we want to say, Hey, if you put in, you know, 2,500 bucks, we're actually going to invite you on set during the, the shoot. So you can meet the cast and meet the team, right? People love that. And, and maybe that's a limited number. And obviously they pay for their own airfare and and, accommod- and hotel accommodations, that sort of thing. So I've seen some people like, you know, depending upon who, what actors or actresses are participating in the films or TV pilots, you know, maybe there's some like branded apparel or or memorabilia that, that they per- personalize and sign thanking that person who might be a super fan, right? So there's a lot of different ways we can strategize and think through reward perks to be able to get you know, maximum exposure, maximum, create maximum excitement and obviously maximize those conversions. Wonderful. And and I'm curious with, with your experience, how Indiegogo and Kickstarter have performed since their inception. You know, I, you mentioned, I want to say 2006, 2007, something like that. They've, they've been around that long. And how have they evolved or, or devolved in that time? Are they the most popular they've ever been? Where will they be in five years? Maybe from from your experts' shoes, give us a little uh, context on where they are in their life cycle a little bit. So Indiegogo opened their doors in 2008. And then Kickstarter, like shortly right behind them in 2009. I'd say from that point, early on in the early years, if you had a cool product, you could just literally post it without any pre-launch because they already had the community and you could generate a ton of revenue fast. And so that caught the attention of a lot of other entrepreneurs early on. And so then there was a flood of you know campaigns coming in. Once that happened, that's when we realized you need to have a pre-launch. You got to prepare these deals in order to outperform all the other competitors. Cut through the noise a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and that's why a big reason why we started LaunchBoom. So I'd say from like, you know, early inception when they opened their doors up until about, you know, 2016, 2017, it was just surging. Like the growth of the backers year in, year out. I mean, they were, you know, raising billions of dollars supporting millions of entrepreneurs worldwide. It, w- it was phenomenal. And that's honestly why I made my bet and put my hat in the ring and decided to start LaunchBoom. As we got to about end of 2016, early 2017, it started to kind of plateau. We're like big growth we saw in these campaigns kind of kind of flattened out. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit in 2020 and crowdfunding surged again because government was handing out money. People were at home more spending more time on social media, forward, backing more projects, which I never would have guessed, but that's that's what ended up happening. So crowdfunding, again, surged. We saw massive, massive growth from 2020 to 2021. And then 2022, the economy was super shaky post-pandemic. So honestly, like not only reward-based crowdfunding, but I'd say like equity crowdfunding. I know a lot, like I know everyone in the crowdfunding industry. It, believe it or not, it's pretty small space. And um, I know all the players and everyone definitely had a rocky year in 2022, but that was the opportunity for us to pivot and create a better model. In essence, what we are is we're an agency killer, right? Like we're, we're trying to democratize the cost way down for the entrepreneur to make it more fun, less risky. And to, um, you know, honestly, like allow these entrepreneurs that we work with to avoid having to hire an expensive agency that eat into their margin. And so, yeah, I would say uh, ever since we made that pivot um, in July 2022 uh, to where we are now, 
uh, which is August 1st today, I've seen the market bounce back tremendously. So this year, in all honesty, has been the best year I've ever experienced in the crowdfunding space. We're starting to see that growth. And again, it's why we continue to double down and continue to direct all our launches that make sense for Kickstarter and Indiegogo to go there. Because I also get questions every day too. Hey, why can't I just launch this on my e-com site? You know, I have a lot of clients that already have e-commerce businesses and they're looking to crowdfund the new product to tap into a new audience and bring new customers into their e-com site. And they're like, why can't I just do the launch on my e-com site? And I'm like, you can, but you're going to get a much lower return on ad spend and you're probably not going to raise as much. Or you can take that new product into Kickstarter, Indiegogo, tap into massive communities, new communities, pre-sell thousands of units, and then bring them back into your e-com site and sell them other products. Because that's that's one of those things that I've worked for a couple businesses where you want to do as much business through your website as possible because you can send people to the hub, which is your website, but there's no one there, <laughs> which is why you're trying to send people there. So if you're trying to launch product, it makes a lot more sense to be able to get people to your website via a website that has tens of thousands times the amount of traffic that's going there who, who can just randomly stumble upon it. No one's really going to stumble upon a product on your website. It's going to be right there on the homepage anyway. So no, I, th I think there's a lot of validity there, Will, and you're definitely a expert in the field. I'm curious what the shape of launch boom looks like in the next five years. I mean, is it totally dependent on the shape of Indiegogo and Kickstarters and, and crowdfunding and you know use or decline of those things? I mean, what's your game plan looking toward the future? Yeah, I mean, just to keep it simple, our game plan, our game plan. So right now, like I said, when I was an agency from 2015 up until the end of 2021, we had serviced over a thousand clients. We delivered over a thousand successful campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. It was great. We learned a tremendous amount. Once we made that pivot last July, uh, up until today, August 1st, literally we have brought in almost just over 1200 new clients because now we have a lower cost barrier. So we can work with everyone that's launching new products. The idea is to continue to support these entrepreneurs and continue to provide value so they stay in our community, right? Because what happens after crowdfunding? Well, they're going to want to go on and scale and they're going to want to keep growing. So we're right now building out programs and systems to help continue to support them as they move out of crowdfunding and go into scale. And so the idea is, you know, three, five years from now, um, we know we've got 1,200 active community members in our LaunchBoom platform today. I see LaunchBoom becoming unquestionably the largest crowdfunding platform that actually supports the largest volume of entrepreneurs worldwide. And so, you know, three to five years from now, I'd love to see, you know, tens of thousands of community members in the LaunchBoom platform. I'd like to see them hanging out with us for years because they're continuing to get value from being in the platform. I want to be able to honestly see these entrepreneurs go through the crowdfunding system, stay in the community, continue on through scale and have massive exits, right? Like to me, that's why I love what I do today still, because it's so fun over the years. I've had so many clients come to me that had a good idea. And then we were able to have a really great Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo campaign. And then we take them into e-commerce and we help them continue scaling faster that way, for example. My favorite thing is when they quit their day jobs and they do this full time. 
And then to see them take it to the next level and eventually get acquired for tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, which has happened to some of my clients in the past. It is so cool to, to see that experience for someone who had the courage with a great idea to actually take a chance and, 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 and actually go out to other comfort zone and, and try to launch that product. So for me, that's what keeps me going here. And that w- that's what keeps me genuinely, truly excited about the work we're doing here at LaunchBoom. No, that's beautiful, man. And that's that's something that can carry you for a long time because it's not necessarily quantifiable. When people have like a, a dollar amount or a subscriber amount or an employee amount, they hit that and then go through like a entrepreneurial midlife crisis to some effect. But when it's like, if I can continue helping people, I'll keep doing it. That's that's uh, positive and attainable and has no real timeline. So I, I think that's really intelligent. Before we wrap up, Will, I always ask my guests the exact same last question about entrepreneurship and e-commerce, how it can be an extremely stress-inducing industry. You seem like a pretty zen guy, though. So I know that you probably have some hobbies and interests that you practice in your free time to establish good mental health and work-life harmony. So I'm curious what those hobbies and interests might be. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. Yeah, I, I'd say early on, so pre-launch boom, I started multiple businesses from the ground up. I am a serial entrepreneur. I've had some epic wins. I've had some epic failures. But in the early years, um, being an entrepreneur, to be honest, like I would obsess over my business. And it would consume me day in, day out on the weekends. First thing I thought about when I went to bed, sorry, last thing I thought about when I went to bed, first thing I think about when I woke up. And um, I definitely neglected my health in the early years. That's a recipe for disaster, um, everyone listening. So today I'd say what I've learned is to kind of create more of like a work and health balance. So for me, like, you know, I've got a fixed number of hours during the day that I'm on where people can contact me. I'm actually focused on the business. And then I've trained myself to honestly turn that off and and go do something that I love doing. So I live here in La Jolla, San Diego, California, very close to my favorite surf beach. And so I love surfing. I love getting out in the water. Any day I get in the ocean, it's a great day, right? That's been super positive for me personally. I always try to do something athletic or something active. So if I'm not in the water surfing, I'm at the gym working out. And I, I feel like by you know prioritizing an activity every day that that's physical, that's healthy, coupled with like the hours I carve out to focus on launch boom and supporting my clients, and also carving out time to focus on my my personal relationship with my wife. You know, I, I got to make sure that like her needs are met too, you know, so just time management. I'd say, you know, for any entrepreneur out there, look at your schedule, look look at your calendar and try to book it out a month ahead and and know kind of where you're going to be spending your time and, and, and take control of your time. Because at the end of the day, that is the most valuable asset anyone has is time. So ma- maximize your time. Uh, remember, like life is way, way bigger than 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 your baby that you're working on. You know, like I like I know, you know, a lot of early stage entrepreneurs like it consumes you. And that honestly is healthy to an extent because it will help you keep driving it and make make that thing successful, whatever it may be. But it's so important to really kind of plan out your time, manage your time so that you can enjoy your life and you can spend time with people you want to spend time with, you know, family, friends. Take care of yourself. 
right? Because we only have one body. So try, try to eat healthy. You know, if you're not putting good stuff in your body, you're probably gonna get sick. You know, things that keep top of mind, entrepreneurship is more fun when you're physically healthy and you're able to enjoy your success. I'll leave it there. Love that. I really appreciate your time, Will. I think that's sage advice. It's been a pleasure talking with you and good luck with Launch Boom. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today, Alex. It's fun sharing my story and I appreciate you giving me the time and space to do that. Happy to, my friend. Until next time. All right. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Will Ford, for joining me on the show and come back on Tuesday when I talk with David Perry, the CEO and co-founder of Caro, the largest collaborative e-commerce platform and cross-store sales channel connecting Shopify to all of e-commerce. For more information about Will, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. To learn more about LaunchBoom, you can check out their website, launchboom.com, or follow them on Facebook at LaunchBoom. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then.